Everyone is talking about Palestinian statehood. Well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people are. The Palestinian Authority would like to have their own state. They would like autonomy, independence. The Israelis would like to have their Jewish homeland. Every effort points to a two-state solution. But there are also many people, Israeli Jews and Palestinian Arabs, who can envision a one-state solution. And to be frank, this is what I would like to see as well. Let's face it, the two-state solution idea is not really going anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere since 1967. What we have right now is one state. The only problem is that it is not a state that is entirely democratic and inclusive of all the people who live in Israel, namely all the Arabs. Now, I'm not an expert by far, but I do know a lot about the issues and the history, and this is the way I see it. Jews and Arabs are the same people, really. I've met Arab Christians who've been in the Galilee region since the apostles were preaching. Their ancestors converted to Christianity 2,000 years ago. But who were their ancestors before that? They were Jews, Jews who spoke Aramaic. These were Jews who heard the good news and converted to Christianity. Now, their descendants are Christians, Christians who speak Aramaic. But no one calls them Christians of Jewish ethnic origin. They call them Christian Arabs. They are the same people. I don't know what will come of the Palestinian statehood question, but I do know that if both parties really wanted it, they could live together peacefully as one people. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today, Mark Matthews returns to tell us what's good about Hollywood. And Andrew and Sheridan will also be, also be with us uh, a little later in the program. And here with me right now is Chris Dimitrenko. So what can we look forward to? Well, Pedro, uh, the Pope is back to the Vatican after spending the summer yes. at his summer residence. So we'll tell you about his week. Also... Um, what should a priest do once he's left the priesthood? What role can he have in the church? This is something that the Vatican is considering. And uh, we're going to tell you about the theme of the next World Communications Day. Excellent. So we'll get mm -hmm. the, the details coming up very shortly. Um, and also in the second half of the program, we are going to be looking at the absence of fatherhood, in particular so through the work of a new ministry called Fraternus, which helps boys grow up to be virtuous men. So that's going to be in the second half of the program. And also a conversation with David Wong from Critical Mass. They've got quite a few new things going on. And here now, here they are with uh, their song Mardi Gras from their album Body Language. Dancing till our feet are run 
David Wong and Critical Mass with Mardi Gras from their album Body Language. And singing with David Wong was Nancy Bodsworth. She's also been on this program. Uh, she's a beautiful singer. In about 15 minutes, what's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews? But first, Chris, you're still here. Yes, I am and still here, And the Pope here, is back in, <laughs> in Rome. Yes, well, summer weather left us long ago here in Canada and for our listeners in the northern U.S., I'm sure it's the same. Yeah. But a final sign the season is over is that the Pope returned to the Vatican. He spent his summer at his residence in Castel Gandolfo, just outside of Rome, and reportedly he spent his time writing, nearly completing his third volume of the Jesus of Nazareth series, so nearly complete. And upon his return to the Vatican, he resumed his regular practice of reciting the Angelus from the window of the papal apartment. And uh, he gave a short address this past week about guardian angels to mark the Feast of Guardian Angels. And uh, his first week was full of meetings. Many of them were with bishops from Indonesia who were at the Vatican for their ad limina meeting. Hmm. Uh, different countries, their Episcopal conferences, every five years they're supposed to go to the Vatican and each bishop meets individually with the Pope. They have a collective meeting. And they also venerate the tombs of St. Peter and St. Paul. Their remains are believed to be there in Rome. Now, so that was what was happening at the Vatican, but uh, behind closed doors, there's been some discussion 
regarding the question of what happens when a priest leaves the priesthood. What role can he have mm-hmm. in the church and, and in his parish? Right. Well, according to the Catholic Herald in uh, the United Kingdom, uh, a priest there has sent the question to the Vatican. And the head of the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples, he replied, you know, Currently, priests who have been laicized, I mean, they, they're essentially functioning now as laity, mm-hmm. uh, or who have had their vows dispensed, face numerous restrictions. These include prohibitions on celebrating Mass. They can't celebrate Mass. They can't deliver homilies. Uh, now, those would remain, but the Cardinal who's the head of this congregation, Cardinal Ivan Diaz, says he's confident that some other reforms are coming. And the Vatican might relax restrictions on teaching theology or being in contact with one's former parish. This is something that I didn't know, that they can't even be in contact with that former parish. Interesting. Yeah. And if enacted, he says that these would be up to the discretion of the local bishop. So it would no longer be up to the discretion of the Vatican, but the local bishop would have some authority in terms of what that laicized priest or dispensed priest could do. Hmm. Now, finally, Pedro, um, do you think that we should incorporate more silence into our radio program? No. <laughs> Did you like that moment of silence there? Yeah. Well, That's like the worst thing that can happen on radio, is we, silence. Yeah, I suppose we have enough awkward pauses as, as, it, uh, as it is. Well, the <laughs> Pontifical Council for Social Communications on Thursday announced the theme... For the 2012 World Communications Day. It has to do with silence? It, it does, it does. Amazing. Um, silence and the word path of evangelization. That's what it's called, um, this theme. Now, the communique says that the, extra, uh, the extraordinarily varied nature of the contribution of modern communications to society highlights the need for a value, silence, which might seem to be a contradiction to it. So when we think of modern communication, silence, it almost seems like it's the yeah, opposite, yeah, right? Absolutely. Well, uh, the communique says that in the thought of the Pope, silence isn't just an antidote to the constant flow of information that characterizes society, but it's actually something that's necessary for the integration of that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because silence, uh, they say, favors habits of discernment and reflection, it can be seen as, as primarily a means of welcoming the word. So the more silence we have, the better we're able to communicate. And uh, so this World Communications Day, it, uh, it's the only worldwide celebration called for by the Second Vatican Council uh, that happened in the 60s. And it is celebrated in most countries uh, on the Sunday before Pentecost. So right now we don't have the message right. and we're a ways away from the actual day, but we do know the theme. And usually that message is uh, traditionally published uh, well ahead of World Communications Day. It's usually published on the memorial of St. Francis de Sales, who is the patron of writers. So on January 24th, we'll get that whole message. And uh, hopefully it will allow uh, the church and those in church communications who, um, you know, maybe were not prone to silence. Is that fair to say? It gives us something to reflect upon. Oh, I think it makes perfect sense. We think that communication has to do with speaking, mm-hmm. but listening is also communication, and how can you listen if you're not silent? Exactly. So there you go. Words of wisdom here with Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light Radio news producer, and let us know what you think about what you hear on this program, about the silence you hear on this program. <laughs> Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. 
My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Sheridan with, an, with uh, updates from across the country. But before that, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Pedro. Th- yeah, thank you. Yes, how are you going to spend your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving week. That's right. Most of our listeners in the United States are like, Thanksgiving? Yeah, Thanksgiving here is at harvest time. It's in Canada, here. it's a little earlier. Uh, family. Oh, very good. Family, family. Usually the uh, the quiet Thanksgivings with families are always the best ones. Those are the best, yes. Okay. Anyways, uh, I wanted to learn a lot about St. Teresa of Avila this week. Yeah. And I had the chance to. So of everything I learned about her, there was one particular thing that stood out. And it's this. It's, it's a writing of hers. So she goes on to say, Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing make you afraid. All things are passing. God alone never changes. Patience gains all things. If you have God, you will want for nothing. God mm-hmm. alone suffices. So I thought that was pretty. That is beautiful. That was and pretty that's, good. Those are the words of a Teze song yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. Nada te turbe. Okay. That's beautiful. So uh, looking at St. Teresa of Avila, which she's fantastic. As you said, she's a powerhouse. Yeah, she is. Church. Her maiden name is Teresa de Chipeda y Ahumada. Um, yes. I just butchered that Spanish name. You need Spanish to practice name. your Spanish. Yeah, I that's do. okay. So she was born in the year 1515 with, within the province of Avila, Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teresa's grandfather was known as a Marano, mm-hmm. which is a Jew who is forced to convert to Christianity. Her father was welcomed into Christian society, and Teresa's mother took it upon herself. Uh, she was very keen on raising Teresa to be a devout and faithful Christian. And, you know... Fast forward and you see um, the kind of life that Teresa led. So in her life, Teresa was really taken aback by the lives of the saints. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she ran away from home at the age of seven with her brother. And it was her uncle that stopped her and her brother as they were returning to the city. Um, So in the cloister that Teresa lived in, um, anyone who knows about her story will know that she became really ill. Mm -hmm. So early in her sickness... She experienced some times of religious ecstasy, so to speak, um, with the help of a book um, known in English. It's known as the Third Spiritual Alphabet. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So St. Teresa insisted while undergoing her illness that she rose from the lowest stage, which was recollection, to devotions of ecstasy, which was one of perfect union with God. Mm -hmm. And during this final stage, Teresa said that she actually experienced a rich blessing of tears. I don't think there's many people out there that... It's quite fascinating, actually, yeah. what she went through. Yeah, yes. so around the year 1556, um, friends of Teresa's actually suggested to her that her feelings and thoughts were not divine at all, mm. that they were actually diabolical. Yeah. So it was because of that, and it was because of what her friends thought, that led her down a time where she inflicted pain on herself. So, um, But her confessor at that time, who really... I helped her out during that time in her life, um, really reassured her that her thoughts, everything that she was feeling, everything that she was thinking was nothing but divine. Right. So um, on St. On Peter's Day in 1559, Teresa was finally convinced, thankfully, that Jesus presented himself in an invisible form to her in bodily form. Hmm. These visions happened for nearly two years. And um, in one of those visions, I'll just read you something quick. Teresa recounted, I saw in his hand a long spear of gold, and at the iron's point, there seemed to be a little fire. He 
He appeared to me to be thrusting it at times into my heart and to pierce my very entrails. When he drew it out, he seemed to draw them out also and to leave me all on fire with the great love of God. The pain was so great that it made me moan and yet so surpassing was the sweetness of this excessive pain that I could not wish to be rid of it. So one point that we can take away um, also from Teresa, um, her life, is our perception of holy water. Mm. I say that because um, St. Teresa um, was a strong believer in holy water and its power, its mm. divine power. So in her writing, um, in one of her many writings actually, she said that holy water was used with success to safeguard herself and others against like temptations and evil. Right. So that is interesting. So I guess every time I walk into a church and I dip my fingers into the holy water, you know, I think I'll kind of understand a little bit more. Yeah, good. So St. Teresa died the 4th of October uh, in the year 1582 at the age of 67, and that was in Salamanca, Spain. Okay, and her feast day is Her feast day is October the 15th, which we um, proudly celebrate. Very good. Thank you very much, Andrew Santos, uh, our saint expert. Now coming up is... Uh, Mark Matthews with What's Good in Hollywood, so stick around. Hi, this is Tim Maggiata, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can email me at pedro at saltandlighttv.org. And coming up is Sheridan with her diocesan update, but first... What's Good in Hollywood? Here is your Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, what's good in Hollywood today? Oh, there's lots of good stuff going on. Uh, I've got a whole mishmash, a veritable cornucopia of uh, little news items for you for what's going on in Hollywood. So, Yeah. The uh, first thing uh, is uh, the Angels Awards. Yes, um, and what uh, the Angelus Awards are is uh, it's uh, it was put together by Family Theater Productions, which was started by a Catholic priest in the 1950s, Father, Father Patrick, Patrick Payton. Payton. Yes, yes, he founded the phrase "a family that prays together stays together." Beautiful. Um, and his organization, one of the things that they've done to promote good media is uh, created this film festival, which has become quite prestigious. Mm-hmm. They put together, I think, thirty thousand dollars worth of prizes every year. Um, and uh, last year's grand prize winner actually went on to win uh, the Oscar for the best short film that year. That's true. Luke Matheny, who was on this program speaking with me about that film, ah, God of yes. Love. Yes. yes. And um, so they are holding their award ceremony this coming Saturday. So for those uh, listeners that might be in the Los Angeles or Southern California area, um, you can get tickets online. Um, for free, and you can hang out at the Directors Guild of America, which is where they're holding it. And, cool. You know, that's where all the big wigs like Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson hang out. Now, just a question: so there's the award ceremony, but isn't there also, a, well, the film festival that you mentioned? Isn't it part of the same event, or does that happen at another time? Uh, they do. They do. Um, they screen the films that have oh. one in the afternoon. Um, I think it starts at like two thirty or something like that. Okay. And then uh, the actual award ceremony is in the evening. I think at around six thirty or something. Right. So okay. yeah, you can see the films, but it's earlier in the afternoon. Okay. So anybody that's in the area should go support these films. They're not per se Catholic awards, but they are awarding films that that contribute to. They they uh, 
uh, honor honor. filmmakers who uphold and create works that uh, respect the human dignity. Nice. Yeah, and they do. They do. Good stuff. Okay, what what else? So, uh, next thing that's going on um, is, uh, you probably remember uh, Metanoia Films, and they're the people that came out with Bella a few years ago. Um, they are currently in production on their next film. Hmm. Um, and this is something uh, that all the listeners out there can pray for because uh, you really need prayers when it comes to producing a film because there are so many things that can go wrong. Yeah. Um, and their next film it has a, a working title of Little Boy, uh, but it will likely be released under the title of Pepper Busby. Um, and it's a very ambitious period piece that's set uh, in 1945 and the logline is it's an, about an unusual eight-year-old boy who struggles to achieve the impossible to bring his father back from World War II. So, uh, and they have some big names attached to it, uh, Sean Astin, Kevin mm. James, uh, Evel- Emily Watson, on uh, its uh, a stated budget of $20 million. So this is very high production budget film. Um, wow. And uh, I was talking to them recently. They're down in Mexico filming. Um, they've had a very good six weeks of filming so far, and uh, they're praying for just a strong finish. They have another five more weeks of filming. So so this is really game time. So if you can uh, really keep that in your prayers and uh, and just hope that the whole thing works out great, that'd be fantastic. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Nice. And uh, another film that's actually also uh, currently supposedly in production um, is a movie by the name of Mary, Mother of the Christ. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, and you know, you've probably heard rumors about this yes, for a while. Yeah, for a while. Um, it, it's an excellent screenplay that was uh, penned by Benedict Fitzgerald and Barbara Nicolosi. Yeah. Um, and she was the woman that I talked about before, the founder of Act One. Yes. Um, but it basically portrays, it's a, a biblical epic that portrays the life of Mary. Um, and so this has sort of been in uh, pre-production or development hell, as they call it, for like a couple of years. They keep saying they're going to film it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they don't, and then they say they're going to film it, and then they don't. Um, but they're claiming that, like, any day now, it could go into production, like, within a few weeks here. So, um, And they, they have, like, big names attached to it as well, too, uh, Al Pacino and Peter O'Toole. So so this really has potential to um, to become, say, as good or as big as The Passion of the Christ. But wow. there's still a lot of things that can go wrong. So really pray for this one. It's, it's kind of neat because you're not talking about films that have been done. You're not reviewing films. You're telling us of what's in production or is soon to be in production. So that's kind of what's exciting. And it's good to know yes. that there are these, these uh, potentially great uh, projects that are happening in Hollywood um, and yes. that we need to keep them in our prayers. Um, yes. Because yeah, things and, can and go I, wrong. I can't stress that enough. It's like, you know what? Christians don't make all the decisions, you know, and, and there's just these films can kind of get corrupted. So pray for it. It'll take, and, and especially for those last one, intercede uh, for Mary's prayers too, because it's a movie that's obviously about our life. So I'm sure she'll want it to be made into a fantastic, beautiful film. Absolutely. So that's good. So Mary and Father Peyton, pray for. <laughs> yes, yes. Pray for Perf- all these Pray films. for all these films. So thank you very much, Mark Matthews. Um, that's what's good in Hollywood. Uh, Mark Matthews is our undercover Hollywood missionary, and he joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook and on Twitter. And our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can download our podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. 
And now it's time for our diocesan update. Hi, Pedro. Hello, Sheridan. And hi to all our listeners out there. Uh, so starting out in Ottawa, Ottawa, you can find out about the future of Christianity in the Middle East. And this is such a great opportunity. It's coming up uh, next week, well, actually Friday, October the 20th, 21st. Mm-hmm. And um, the Metropolitan Andrei Sheptitsky Institute of Eastern Christian Studies at the St. Paul University is partnering with the Catholic Near East Welfare Association, and they're inviting everyone to a symposium on the future of Christianity in the Middle East. And the keynote speaker is going to be Archbishop Elias Shakur, and he's the Archbishop of Akko, Haifa, Nazareth, and all of Galilee for the Melkite Greek Catholic Church, and he's just a renowned peace builder. He is amazing. Yes, a fantastic uh, person. Yes, so you've got this opportunity here on Friday, October the 21st uh, in the evening and then continuing the next day on Saturday, October the 22nd. And they're going to be talking about situation of Christians in the Middle East. And then the second day, Canada's responsibility regarding religious minorities He's, and faith persecution. Yeah. I would highly recommend anybody that's in Ottawa or near there. If you're remotely interested in the future of Christianity in the Middle East, mm-hmm. or even if you're interested in the whole Palestinian-Israeli mm-hmm. issues, Elias Shakur, is, he wrote a book called Blood Brothers. It's an excellent book. He was, grew up in a Palestinian village. He was exiled from his village when he wow. was a little boy. He's got a great story. He's, he's a peace, build, you know, peace builder. He's been doing it all his priestly life. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. This is going to be a great event. And the admission is Goodwill Offering, so even better. Get better, yes. And so that's going to be at St. Paul University in Ottawa. Excellent. And for more information, check out uh, Sheptitsky Institute. So that's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot C-A. And you can call uh, 613-236. 1393 extension 2330. Yes, and if uh, that's all too confusing, just St. Paul University Institute of Eastern Christian Studies. That should be easy to remember. Just call the university, find out the Department for Eastern uh, Christian Studies, and ask them for details. And in Montreal, we've got the first anniversary of the canonization of uh, Brother, Brother Andre. So that's going to be Sunday, October the 16th. That's next week. And uh, at St. Joseph's Oratory on Montréal, everyone is welcome. And uh, for more information, check out st-joseph.org. And uh, there's also a conference there that's going to be on trauma and transformation, the Catholic Church and sexual abuse crisis. And again, that's McGill University's Center for Research on Religion. And they partnered with the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. And this conference is designed for anyone working inside the church and has to deal with this issue. So that's next week, Friday and Saturday, October the 14th and 15th at McGill University. And for more details, check out Mm diocesemontreal.org. And of course, next weekend as well, Diocese of Montreal is welcoming back their World Youth Day pilgrims. So they're going to be launching their new pastoral year. And uh, again, check out diocesemontreal.org for more details. And in Alberta, in about three weeks, we've got the Pro-Life Conference. Right. And that's Thursday through Saturday, October the 27th through the 29th. And um, it's a national Pro-Life Conference themed Life 2011, Committing to Change the Culture. And experts in every aspect of this, is they're going to be gathering together. And uh, they're just going to talk about the opportunities and challenges. And you can find out more at albertaprolife.com. And in Toronto... 
St. Michael's Choir School presents In Remembrance. It's a concert of sacred music, and that's going to be held at St. Michael's Cathedral. That's next week, Friday, October the 14th in the evening, 7.30 p.m. And this Founders Day concert will be the inauguration of St. Michael's Choir School's annual giving campaign. And donations to the school will provide scholarships and bursaries for students in need. And for more information, you can contact their director, and that's director at smcs.on.ca. So SMCS St. Michael's Choir School. Yes, yes. exactly. And uh, that's it for this week. Very good. Thank you very much, Sheridan. Lots, lots happening yes. and, and all very exciting. Um, coming up in our second half hour, a conversation with Jason Craig about Fraternus, a ministry for mentoring young boys, and also a conversation with David Wong of the Catholic rock band Critical Mass. So stick around. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, part two. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, I'm not the first one to say that the youth of today need fathers. There are many groups that deal with the breakdown of the family, but only a few deal with what they believe is the root issue, fatherlessness. Now, this is the philosophy of a new ministry dedicated to equ equipping and inspiring men to be spiritual fathers and mentors to boys. And to tell us more about this wonderful work, we're now joined by the director of the program, by the director of program and training of Fraternus, Jason Craig. Jason, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Great. Happy to be here. Thank you. So... How did Fraternus begin? How did I, and I said it's a new ministry. I guess it's, that's not really fair to say because you've been around for about three years, right? Right. I'm actually in my fourth year with Fraternus, so yeah. Okay, good. So how did it all begin? How did it come about? Well, I think the idea itself is probably seven or eight years old, and uh, really it's centuries and millennia old. Uh, but uh, some of the founders uh, were involved with many different uh, men's apostolates, and uh, they saw and recognized something that I think you just spoke about, that there's an issue we're facing, which is we need more men in the lives of boys, and that a, a boy absolutely needs to have men of virtue in his life for him to be able to learn how to, to, to model that virtue. Uh, and I think that the catalyst was there just wasn't something out there uh, that incorporated uh, men teaching boys directly, uh, just laymen, normal plumbers, furniture salesmen, mechanics, uh, teaching young men what a life of virtue looks like. And the reality is the boys just didn't get to encounter these men enough. Uh, so that was the catalyst and really still is the catalyst behind, behind every bit of the programming. It's just right. providing a framework and opportunity for these boys to encounter these men. So it's not just about having a, a father figure or, or, or an, a, a male adult that is interested in a young boy. Uh, in a healthy way, but, but they have to specifically be men of virtue. Correct. You can't give what you don't have, uh, as the old saying goes. So yeah. really, uh, as far as an organization, and as far as what I primarily do, I work very little directly with boys, uh -huh. uh, but it's working with men uh, and convincing them that they actually were made for a life of virtue, uh -huh. uh, and that this life of virtue and holiness is for them, as you know that the Church has been uh, telling them, and John Paul II, Pope Benedict, do a great job of telling them this. You were made for holiness. Be not afraid of this. Uh, and really, the program of Fraternus, the very fact that we're saying, hey, we would like to put these boys in front of you, uh, and you be the model of virtue, 
but in that act, that actually oftentimes inspires them to really examine themselves and ask whether they are a model. And it, it causes a lot of conversions um, by just asking a man, do you live a life that someone else can examine and look at and model their own life? And because of that modeling, be closer to God. I mean, that's a great question right. for these men to ask themselves, and that's really the question we start with. Uh, with the men. We don't start with the boys, but with the men. Okay. So let me just, in case people are, because you're using the word virtue, and I think I think I know what you mean. You're not just talking about values. There's a reason why we're calling them virtues. So you, you mean things like courage, patience, uh, perseverance, I'm not, you know, those kind of Christian virtues? What What is, what is, uh, what does being a man of virtue look like? Right. It's really good that you pointed that out. Uh, we've, we've banished the word, I'm going to use it once, we've banished the word values from our vocabulary. We don't use that. Uh, and that's a very modern understanding which has its roots in trying to secularize our language. Yeah. Because a value is something I get to choose. Yeah. You know, if I don't value fortitude, then you're, you know, being courageous, if I don't value it, then it's not really important that I don't pursue it. Yeah. But if we're talking about virtue, this is objective, this is outside of me, mm-hmm. what that assumes, that word virtue, is that there is a good uh, that I must pursue, and there's a law of good, and to have a law of good, there must be a lawgiver. So I'm pursuing the life that God has set out for me, meaning not only is he my origin, he's where I came from, but he's where my life is directed towards. And if my life is not directed towards him, that means I'm not living my potential. And it's not up to me to decide what is or is not virtue. I can't value virtue. Um, mm-hmm. Virtue is objective. It's outside of us. We right. don't get to choose it. So mm-hmm. yes, are you a man of courage and fortitude. Are you a man of patience? Are you a man of humility? Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's the, the classical ordering of prudence, temperance, justice, fortitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we we become more like those things. We don't ask those things to become more like us. Right, okay. Um, how did you, you said you were involved for about four years. How did you come involved? Well, I'm, I'm a convert to the faith, and I was involved with youth ministry uh, as a Protestant. And when I became a Catholic, I... Uh, uh, like a lot of, I think a lot of converts, they become interested in that because they see, you know, there's a real void that we can be open about uh, in good quality Catholic youth ministry. Uh, but as I was in youth ministry, I was looking around that there's something deeper in the Catholic thought, and it's really in this language of virtue and vocation that I was captured with the idea of fraternity, that it really wasn't my job as a youth minister um, to do really much at all. And I was hearing John Paul II and the bishops point constantly to the family uh, as the primary building block. But I think a lot of the attitude that I had, and, and I think this is prevalent in a lot of youth ministry, is that the youth ministry itself is a, is a primary building block uh, of a young man or a young woman becoming virtuous and holy. Um, and Fraternus, I helped start a Fraternus chapter at my parish, and Fraternus was still very young, still is very young. Right. And what was amazing is uh, the parish I started at, we had we started from nothing and built up to a pretty strong youth group. It was one of the fastest and growing in the diocese and the biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the men of the parish started fraternists, the boys came out in droves. Amazing. And I, I had to ask myself, where did these boys come from? And I, I kind of had the realization, and I still firmly believe this, that I can do all like everything in my power to be relevant and be cool and to speak to the youth. In the, in the language, the best language I could possibly come up with. But a, a man speaks to the youth in the language of a father, which is wrapped up in his very identity of who he is. Yeah. That he has a unique ability 
to speak to. So these men of the same parish started fraternity, and the boys were knocking down the door. Uh, and I was convinced of that kind of that model, if you will. Wow. Um, okay. That I was. I, I really. I had to be involved. So you you're director of programs. So do you prepare? set programs that each chapter can follow or activities that they do? How does that work? Right. So that's the question. The question I deal with is the primary goal of fraternists is to have virtuous men in front of uh, boys who need to see that. Uh, so what I do uh, is try to help develop the framework that that happens in. So we have, pro- we have rank advancement. We have nights. We have meetings. We have ranks. Um, we have all those things, but making sure that those things are just a framework for this main goal to happen. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I help to primarily it's program and training is what I do, and most of my time is spent on on training the men, uh, which is really just pointing them to a life of holiness, and that's not me inspiring them. That's just pointing them to this reality, and then helping plug them into their own parishes, etc. Right. Um, and then the program itself, the boys and the men discuss the upcoming Sunday Gospel. We've developed a book that just has some questions and some guidelines, you know, helps to facilitate this small group discussion uh, between them, because the men don't just mentor a giant group of boys. They have a specific squad, we call it, okay. that they have, five to seven boys. So part of the program is to help. What are they discussing in those, and how is that leading them to discuss virtue and to grow in virtue? And then at the end of each night, every, every meeting in fraternity, we have a specific challenge, because men are very tangible. How does this yeah. apply? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we're talking about a particular virtue of charity, you know, this week you have a challenge of, without letting anyone know, Good. you're going to do a chore in your household that does not that does not belong to you. Yeah. Uh, and then next week you're going to come back to your mentor and you're going to tell them how it went. That's great, because um, boys need a challenge and they need to get out there and, and do stuff. That's great. Um, you, you, use, you use the word mentor, uh, and I, again, I think you know, you're not using that word by accident because even though it's not a one-on-one mentor, like a big brother or something, so you said it's, it's, uh, there can be one man with a squad of kids. Why do you call them mentors as opposed to leader or whatever? Yeah, you know, that, it's been a difficult question for us. What is the language we want to use? Um, because in the classical understanding of virtue, you had a teacher of virtue. But the difference is... In, we can see this in the life of St. Augustine. Some of the first communities he arranged around him um, were teaching virtue, but in the context of seeing the life lived out. Uh, and St. John Bosco says, uh, you can be a teacher in a classroom, that's great, but when you get outside and play with the boys, you yeah. become a brother. Yeah. And for turns, we want to create a brotherhood. So these men are mentoring, and a teacher is someone, who, in our modern understanding, who passes on some information. But a mentor is someone who proposes the same way, uh, well, not in the same way, but in a similar way. Our Lord proposes, he's, it's not just, just about the cross. He's lived an entire life, which is a model for us to see. Then his apostles, um, you know, St. Paul is even bold enough to say, imitate me. Yeah. And what I do, imitate me. And in the book of Titus, we see, be a model for the young men. So to be a mentor is to be a model. To, it's really nice if you have the information. But yeah. primarily, it's in the very nuances of yeah. how you deal with situations, how you understand the world, how you see the world, and that is only experienced in sort of a simple brotherhood, in playing together, yeah. in interacting, in conversation, and very, very little actually happens in instruction, right. but a huge amount happens in 
learning how this man lives a life of virtue. Well, well, Jason, it sounds like it's a great program, a, a good fraternal brotherhood there that, that you've started. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So that was Jason Craig, Director of Program and Training at Fraternus. You can find out more how to start your own chapter or find out more about Fraternus at their website, fraternus.net. We're also going to put a link to them on, off our website. Here now is Critical Mass with Walk You Home from their album, Body Language. Just to tell you that I love you Isn't what you need to hear right now Words only last as long as we are talking But you've drifted away somehow Know that I am always with you Never too far, too far away When you don't know who you are anymore That's when you'll hear me say Let me walk you home I will pick your favorite flower Let me walk you home I will show you that you're beautiful Walk you home I will hold you close to me So you can hear my heart Let me walk you home. 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 Let me wal
That was Critical Mass with their song Walk You Home from their album Body Language. Since Critical Mass was regrouped in 2004, their album Grasping for Hope in the Darkness won Best Rock Album Honors at the Covenant Awards. In 2006, the group received the United Catholic Music and Video Association's Unity Award for International Group of the Year. In 2007, their worship album Celebrate was nominated for six Unity Awards. In 2009, they released their last album, Body Language, a themed album based on Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body. It's fair to say that Critical Mass is the leading Catholic rock band in Canada. Um, and it's always a pleasure to have uh, band founder and frontman David Wong with us on Salt and Light Radio. David, welcome back. Oh, thanks very much for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, it's fun to chat. Um, you were also, I didn't put this in the intro, but you were music columnist for the Catholic Register for 15 years? Oh, yeah, for 15 years, uh, many, many columns, uh, did some awesome interviews. Yeah. I uh, just I just love that gig. It just recently ended. Yes. Uh, and I decided to put the column online. Yeah, so, and there, in a way, at first I thought, oh, that's too bad, but then I thought, there's so much more you can do with the column being online. Oh, for sure. I mean, like over the years, uh, it was interesting because when I started the column, it was really about Christian music, uh-huh. right? So, right. And, and really, that was all there was, other than maybe John Michael Talbot, right, and a few other people who are sort of, you know, uh, just starting to, to get noticed. <laughs> who are also Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was, just so, it was so good uh, in recent years to be able to, you know, start to focus on people like uh, Matt Marr, right. uh, Chris, Bray, Chris Bray, I mean, both Canadians, too, as well, yep. which yep. is fabulous. Uh, and just a whole stable of new Catholic artists, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and it's, it's just been really exciting. So when it when it was uh, going to be over, I felt a little sad. But then I thought, you know, there's things I can do online. So the, the uh, website is actually up already. It's uh, catholicrock.org. Uh-huh. Uh, .org. Yep. And uh, there's already a couple of columns up there. But what I can do is I can actually directly link yeah. to artists' songs yeah, and great. videos. It's just a totally different experience, you know, instead of having to read about someone and go, okay, now i got to go find them somewhere. Exactly. Just you click. can just go click. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. Now, uh, uh, yeah, but are you essentially doing the same thing? You review albums? You talk about new artists? Or you want to actually, are you shifting the focus to to sort of more introduce new artists, that kind of thing, or I, both? I think it's going to be very much the same. Um, you know, I am going to have a little bit of, um, you know, recent, uh, you know, Christian music from evangelicals. Um, uh-huh. But uh, the focus is going to be more on Catholic artists, uh, interviews, uh, you know, interesting websites. That's the other thing I'd like to do. Right. You know, any media websites that I'd like to, you know, highlight. Uh, those are all things I can now do online. Okay, so if people are looking for uh, good Christian music that they want to get for themselves or buy their kids or whatever, they can go to catholicrock.org and see what your picks are, what you, what you think. That's right, yeah. And uh, I'm also archiving all my old articles, too, as well. So okay, good. slowly, basically, everything that was on the Catholic Register will appear on this site. So I'm really excited about it. And now, I guess because it's your, your own website, you're not limited to to a, a publication schedule. So are you p- hoping to post stuff weekly or every day or whenever you can? Or? Yeah, I, just whenever I feel the urge to, to, to write and... Okay. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I suspect before I was on a monthly schedule, and now I think it's going to be a little bit more 
uh, you know, uh, more often than that. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, with Christmas coming up, for example, before it was always very rushed uh, because of the publication deadlines. Now I can actually spend some time and, you know, put out articles as I have music come in, which is mm-hmm. really nice. So people still send you uh, albums to review? Yes. You're still receiving? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. Um, I was just going to ask you, and this is a bit of a, a gear shift here, but we were just speaking with uh, uh, a group called Fraternas that helps young men grow up to be, young boys grow up to be virtuous men. And it just occurred to me that you're a father of nine. How many of them are boys? <laughs> four, four boys, five girls. So how are you, and your oldest boy is, is how old? Oh, he's just starting university right now. Right, so so he's now a young man. Yeah. And it just occurred to me, how did you kind of navigate that whole thing about helping your boys uh, to be- become men? <laughs> well, it's... Uh... Sorry, change of topic, but it's it's pertinent because because boys are very different than girls. Haven't you found that? <laughs> yeah, all these wacko uh, psychologists who think it's all environment, they're, they're nuts. <laughs> they are definitely differences. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, uh, we, we homeschooled our kids, okay. um, so that we tried to give them a solid basis in the faith, but we also tried not to isolate them. So our kids were always in, uh, you know, they were always into sports. Uh, we let them explore music. We always had lots of Christian music, obviously, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we also, you know, we would ask them to discern, uh-huh. right? We wouldn't say, don't listen to this, don't watch this. We, we just tried to discuss and ask them to discern, and... And I have to say, I'm, I'm my my oldest son, uh, Yo. Uh-huh. Uh, his English name is Joseph, but we go he goes by Yo. Uh, he's turned out to be a fine young man. He's uh, he just went to World Youth Day, right? He, he was, just went just to World Youth Day, and uh, and actually it was interesting for the last uh, the last evening. He opened up his room. He had one of the bigger rooms, and they had a little uh, informal catechetical session oh, in his room. But it was like very frank. It was talking about you know. Talk about dating, morality, nice. purity, sexuality, nice. and, and he led the whole thing. And nice. I thought, you know, that that's wow. cool. My daughter is also in university as well, right? So uh, it was it's cool to see them growing did up. Did you did you do as a dad? Did you do anything that was special with your boys, like guys' night or anything, or did you always sort of keep activities? Well, I, we were focused on sports. I'm I'm a soccer player. <laughs> I love playing soccer. Co- I still coach soccer. Yeah, I've coached almost all of my kids. And uh, they've all played, you know, uh, the majority of them when they're older have played high-level soccer. Uh, my daughter, Yi, won the Ontario Championship last year. Right. And so we've just been very sports-oriented. And, and I think there's lots of life lessons you can learn. It's not just only about, you know, making sure that they're catechized and studying right. math and yeah. arithmetic. Uh, yeah, for they sure. They learn a lot through sports. Wow. I've, I've, anyway, sorry for that kind of shift of topic there. Um, your other daughter, Mags. Yeah, who's she's, now seventeen? Uh, promoting Catholic artists. Yeah, exactly. The website. She's uh, she released a Christmas album last year. She's actually a yes. very good singer. She's much better than I am. She and, is and I brilliant. Think she was on your show. Right? She was on the show, and and if our listeners remember, last year around Christmas time, we played uh, songs from her. I think it's called the Christmas album, right? Uh, Dreaming of Christmas. Dreaming yeah. of Christmas. Sorry, which is nominated for a. Uh, 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 Covenant, Covenant Award. Award, yeah, Canadian so, Gospel Music Association. Yeah, Covenant that's Award. great. That's yeah. great, and it's an excellent album. People should should look it up if you know. It, uh, anyway, whatever. But so you must be very proud. 
Yeah, I know, and uh, you know she's pleased as can be. Uh, we're going to fly down to Calgary, actually. Oh, and, good. You know, I'm under no illusions. Uh, there, she's up against the Toronto Mass Choir. You know, uh, they're, they're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's thrilled. She's hoping to be able to meet Matt Mars. They're going to be down there. Chris Bray is going to be down nice. there. So yeah, Chris she's is hoping to meet too, them, yeah. and you know, just have some good Catholic artists who are good role models for her. You know. Wow. So, uh, how old is she now? She's just turned 16, so, uh, okay, so she, she released the album when she was 15. And, and now she's in the studio, actually, recording new material. And uh, Andrew Horrocks, our producer, yeah. is, uh, you know, he's extremely excited. More excited than the Critical Mass stuff, which disappoints <laughs> me. <laughs> she, no, you know what? She's great. She's exciting, and her style is... So, so you, you don't see... She's doing her own project right now. She's not working... Critical Mass is not thinking of doing, you know, Critical Mags. No, in <laughs> fact, uh, she's writing her own songs. Nice. And, uh, you know, it's tough for me because I've mentored a lot of Catholic artists and, and, and helped a lot of Catholic artists. But with her, she really wanted to do this on her own. So basically, I drive her to the studio. Drop her off. And yeah, drop her off. And then, uh, you know, I, I get to hear what it sounds like. And it's... It's it's fresh. It has it doesn't sound yeah. anything like yeah. anything I would write. I She's know. got a style all of her own. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. So you're also in the studio recording some new stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I'm I'm quite excited. It's been uh, Critical Mass has been around for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, so we thought at this point uh, we didn't want to do a greatest hits because <laughs> it sounds pretentious and and then no. you could argue that we really didn't have hits per se, but we're going to call it 15. Uh -huh. And uh, we're going to have 15 songs from the various albums. Uh, we're re-recording some of the stuff that was on our demo album, Faith Looks Up, oh, which goes okay. way back. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be one new song called um, Just War, which we're trying to uh, not take sides, but just kind of, you know, Aquinas' principle of just war and, mm -hmm. and put it into song. Uh, that's going to probably be the heaviest song Critical Mass will ever put out. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be fun, and uh, we're planning to put it out probably just uh, just after Christmas. Oh, good. Okay, so then we can have you back on the show, so we can play some of those tracks here first. Absolutely. Deal. Deal? Okay. Nice. Okay, I got to let you go, but it's been good chatting with you. Uh, glad that uh, we reconnected just before this album comes out, and I'm so proud of mags let her know that i'm like cheering for her okay and uh thank you thanks very much okay so david wong he's the founder frontman lead singer of the uh 15 year old band critical mass um you can find uh, more about critical mass at catholicrock.com and you can read his uh, columns his blog at catholicrock.org and and I guess we've been talking about Mags. Um, she recorded a song when she was, I guess, 15 years old was last year. Um, so here she is now, Mags Wong, with uh, a song titled Not Changing. How can such a beautiful sky have the world underneath? Again, the fertile ground, thrive it's being crushed down. The grass is due in the morning because the building's blocking from seeing the sun rising. When will it end? The selfish keep taking, the rich keep on earning The poor keep on starving, the world keeps denying The dim stay when the cared quit trying Christians are praying, the why are things not changing? Just stop, don't keep on moving The heartless are the hear it, but God is crying Just stop 
to think I'm in it is there no solution to end this violence where on with it end the selfish keep taking the rich keep on earning the poor keep on starving the world keeps denying the different say when the care and quit trying Christians are praying the war and things not changing the selfish keep taking the rich keep on earning the poor keep on starving the world keeps denying the different say when the care and quit trying We're listening to Mag's song, Not Changing, and that will take us to the end of our program this week. If you missed any portion of this program, remember that you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and you can also listen to specific interviews. Just click on the Featured Artist link at the top. And to learn more about what we do here at Salt and Light, go to saltandlighttv.org. There's lots going on, and don't forget, look us up on Facebook and on Twitter. So thank you, and God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Caring,